And welcome everybody to the Outside Centre Film Podcast's 2023 Halloween special. Yet yeah, the little um, bed music at the beginning of this changes once a year or even twice, I should imagine, for the awards ceremony season and also for Halloween. Because Ben, we are going to uh, do our Buffy the Vampire Slayer musical episode. A, a reference lost on me, but okay. Yep. Yeah, uh, so Buffy, as but we all know Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. they did one episode when it turned into a musical. Right. This is, our, this is our one episode right. where we actually bring load more English language into it. And in fact, it's mostly genre based because, of course, it's the Halloween special. It's a Halloween horror special. And uh, we've not had a good run, to say the least, Ben. No, no. But, but, I think but, we're better this time. We're better. Yes, uh, yes. We, and we've learned lessons. We've learned lessons. We've got away with a couple. We've been punished by the other ones mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. through no fault of our own. So, with hope in our hearts. Let's delve into some horror films for the Outside Centre Film Podcast. Starting off with Knock at the Cabin. Knock at the Cabin. Directed by M. Night Shyamalan, who has made some good stuff. He's uh, made some abomination stuff. Yes. And he's also made some midly diddly stuff. Yes. And this is a midly diddly stuff. A young girl called Wen is catching grasshoppers by herself when she is approached by a rather large, muscular man who could have been a wrestler at some point of his life, mm-hmm. in a previous job perhaps. Yeah. Uh, and this rather large, muscular man wants to befriend Wen. She plays along for a bit, but then soon realises that three other individuals are about to join him. She runs back to her two daddies in the cabin. The four strangers then unite and descend upon the cabin, eventually get inside, essentially kidnap Wen and her two daddies, and tell them that one of them three must be sacrificed in order to prevent an apocalypse and the end of humanity. So the question is, is this actually real? Mm. Who are these four people? What is their agenda? And will their prophesizing actually come true? So, Ben, Mm. Mm. let's not forget last year we did M. Night Shyamalan's Old. Just an awful experience for me, but yeah. Yeah, which yeah. was an abomination. Yeah. <laughs> More so for the performances, I think, yeah. than the actual story. It was, it was an okay story. It was a decent reveal at the end. But mm. some of the acting, who can forget the beach, some of the beach scenes, Ben? It was, it was just so bad. Um, Gaia Garcia Bernal's worst thing ever. That author, it was a, a great half-hour Twilight Zone episode. But Absolutely. Or, tell, or Tales of the Unexpected or something. Yeah. But yeah, it was just utterly horrendous. Uh, and I will give credit to Knock at the Cabin because, as I said earlier, for me, this is not an abomination. This is midly diddly. Mm-hmm. However, I need to stress that whilst being a fan of Shyamalan is always going to be a bumpy ride, you have to take the rough with the smooth. And there's plenty of both in this film. Mm-hmm. So his last really good film for me was The Visit, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, that was 100% what you call a return to form for a former yes. great director. The problem was, Ben, is that that film was five years ago. What? So the five-year hall pass is now well and truly expired. Yeah. Uh, in fact, no, it was nine years ago that film, Ben. What? Nine years ago. Oh so my. if you if uh, give them a five-year hall pass, we are now way past that. Uh, we've had splits since then, which was really not great. We've okay. had glass, which was midly diddly, and old, which was an abomination. Mm. So yeah, knock in the cabin is just midly diddly for me. Now I've mentioned a muscular man, aka Leonard, played by. Dave Bautista. Ben, he uh-huh. saved this film for me. Really? Okay. I mean, okay. He was the only source of tension in this entire film for mm-hmm. me. Um, the, the two female actresses were a bit nondescript, but they were okay. Yeah. Rupert Grint is in this film. Now, Rupert Grint does what Rupert Grint always seems to do since Harry Potter, and that's just to play the role of an annoying ginger twat. Yes. So he was able to do that quite well uh, in Servant, the TV series, uh, a few episodes of which were directed by M. Night Shyamalan. Um, so he's he's also playing that very similar role here for as long as he's around, which isn't that long in this mm-hmm. film. But he's fine in it as well. The two daddies, Andrew and Eric, they're fine. Uh, yeah. Wen's okay. So basically, I'm fine with all the acting, which for a Shyamalan film is an absolute rarity. Uh, yeah. But... Come, come the end of this thing, whilst I did watch it all, and I did feel a tiny, tiny bit of tension, two things really, really pissed, this, pissed me off in this film. 
Um, two things. Okay. So, firstly, no spoilers. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> there are some deaths in this movie. Yes. So why does we why don't we see all of the deaths in this movie? Why do we only see the male characters die? We don't actually see the female ones die, Ben. Do we? Do we not? My no. brain is remembering them. No. Okay. The, okay. the camera pans away or goes outside when <laughs> some fe- some female characters die. Yeah. Why and dying, is that? dying off camera in this film is a is a big question mark. Yeah, because we we literally see unnamed men die in this film but we mm. do not see the women die why mm-hmm. i just need to know why because with the film later on in this podcast where we see lots of women die uh and in fact there's quite a bit of women dying in this podcast but, maybe maybe it's something to do with the rating in america maybe mm, but uh, I, I, yeah could be but I, i'm looking for a reason it did annoy okay. me because like well hang on a minute why are you doing this okay uh, i hope to god it's not for a woke reason or something um anyway whatever it is not acceptable for me. But the bigger issue, Ben, is and this is quite this is quite a statement, really. Go but on. what the actual fuck is the point of the film? Uh, like, uh, I mean, I might make the same comment, but, but how do you mean? Well, but there's no twist as such. There's no, no twist. Basically, the film comes down to whether the four visitors are telling the truth or not. Yes. That's the film. Yes. So what happens, happens. But for me, there's practically no drama in it. Not only in terms of what I'm watching, but the actual premise of it, like, just think about it. Any of us listening, four strangers, dear listener, enter mm. your house. Mm. They tie you up and they tie two other people up and tell you that one of you must die to save humanity. There mm. is nobody listening to this that would go, yeah, all right then. Yes. <laughs> so that is a flawed premise because you're building attention of, oh, will they? Will someone do this? Would it be the kid? Would it be one of the dads? Or, mm. or, or whatever? It's never going to happen, Ben. It was never mm. going to happen from minute one. It's never, ever going to happen in real life. So if that's what the film was banking on to be, tension and drama, for me, it absolutely failed at the very, very planning early stage of it, albeit this is somebody else's story. And as we know, Shyamalan is not great at adapting other people's stories. So that is, in itself is a problem. Um, so I mentioned a tiny, tiny bit of tension. Which would be... Dave Bautista for me. Because oh, yeah. he literally stands out from all the other normal-shaped actors in this film. True. And the only bit of tension, true bit of tension for me, Ben, was when he went walkies a little bit. He, he sort of disappears in the place. And then he sort of uh, he sort of disappears out of the place. You're not quite sure where yes. he is. Yes, yes, yes. I remember. And you're just sort of waiting for this big, muscular man who you don't ever feel is totally threatening, but you also don't feel is totally unthreatening purely yeah. because of the, of the shape and size of the guy. Yeah. Um, so that, there's a bit there that I, I was like, oh my God, where's, where's Batista? Where's the extra wrestler? Where is he? That was as much fun. That was as much tension as I got out of this film. Okay. Um, and it is, after all, meant to be a horror film. So uh, I was left a bit short there. Uh, somebody, before I pass over to you, Ben, reviewing for Roger Ebert, which hasn't been the same site since Roger Ebert actually died, but nevertheless, no, not uh, carrying on regardless, <laughs> saying that it's not Shyamalan's best, it's not his worst, but he really, really now needs to leave the apocalypse alone. Mm. Uh, I would absolutely 100% go behind that. I'm not going to recommend this mm-hmm. because, A, if you're married to Shyamalan, you've seen it anyway, and you've probably got an opinion similar to mine, I would hope. But B, it, it's just not got enough horror in it. It's not got enough tension in it. And even the social commentary stuff in it is particularly dull. Um, mm. I don't know. If, if anyone's never seen a Shyamalan film, why would you even start them with this one? It just doesn't make any sense. So, uh, yeah, I'm not recommending it for personal reasons. I'm not me- recommending it for anybody else. Um, whilst I am married to this guy uh, and I will have to keep watching his films um, this literally is not one that I can say you must go and watch Knock at the Cabin bit. Okay, fair, fair enough, fair enough I had an okay time It literally is an okay film, that's I all it an, is I had an okay time at yeah. M. Night Shyamalan's party I have little to complain about um, I thought I, I thought it was a, it was a handsome film um, I, I believe I might be wrong here. Someone correct me. I believe it's using anamorphic lenses, the same kind of lenses that we use to film the Hateful Eight. Yeah. 
The DP um, has got a lot of praise for this film, actually. But that it, yeah. for me, that that's the least important aspect of a horror film, honestly. Fair so fair it's just like if if you're going to be if you're going to have your film, the majority of it take place in the cabin in the woods. How do you, how do you keep visually interesting? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I th- I thought it did pretty well. <clears throat> um, yeah, I had I had a fine time. There is no twist, which was impressive. I thought for M Night Shyamalan, because when you you sit down and watch a Shyamalan film, your half of your brain is just thinking about where the twist is going to come in the whole time, and the other half is keeping up with a, a fairly straightforward story. But there is no twist, so you end up going, "Well, what the hell?" Like you said, "What the hell is all this about?" I think Knock at the Cabin is a film about um, people's different truths. So um, lots of people are walking around these days with different truths about things in their head and no real way to prove whether things are or aren't true. I also had a big problem with the central premise of four people turning up and saying, one of you must die in order to prevent the apocalypse. And I thought they're good well they're gonna they're gonna prove their case here but they never do um and i i kept feeling like i'd missed a bit because all of a sudden the three people buy into the idea but like nothing's really changed um because my big question is why us why why us three people why here because they do show without going into spoilers they do provide some proof for what's happening, but they never really identify why it has to be one of these three people at this place yeah. at this time. That that never comes up in the film. And I I swear down, I did not leave the room for the entire running time of the film, but I felt like I'd missed four minutes at some point. Like I just kind of zoned out and they'd explained why and then I woke up again and I was confused. Um, but yeah, I, th- I thought it was kind of fun. It was, it's colorful. Um, it keeps moving. I was worried that it was going to be kind of uh, boring and static, for want of other words, because you, you do just stay in the cabin for the entire film. But no, um, you are not wrong with Dave Bautista probably being the most interesting person. I thought that was because Leonard was the most interested, interestingly written character because everyone, everyone else is a bit kind of flat and dull. He, Leonard's the leader, basically, right? It seems yeah. that way to me. Um, he's, the, he's the leader, but he's also like, I don't know, I, I thought like he was just, they've just made his character more interesting because he's a softly spoken giant. And th- there's a paradox for you straight yeah. away. Yeah. He, he looks like an absolute murderer, but he's a high school gym teacher. Um, and th- yeah, all these kind of things just kind of interesting. There, there is a lot of, like okay, so I, I watch a lot of these films as family events for the Halloween special. So I watched this film with my partner and my son, and that we we were just all of us firing theories at the screen for the entire running time, and we we very quickly came down to the idea of the four horsemen of the apocalypse kind of th- thing. Um, that seems to be a theory which a lot of people uh, agree with. We had to look it up as soon as the film finished, so there is an idea that these four people who turn up are the four horsemen of the apocalypse. One of them is a a nurse uh, standing in for a uh, plague. Or, uh, one of them is a, a cook standing in for famine or something. Um, so it might just be a kind of, instead of going for the twist, M. Night might be trying to do something cleaner, simpler, plain speaking with a little bit of subtext to it. I had a lot of fun. Um, I kind of enjoyed it. Very little to complain about, to be honest, apart from the fact that, like, the central premise, I, uh, if I were in that in those people's situation, I would just be like, why, why, why us? What's going on? And literally, it, it, it doesn't boil down to anything more than, oh, but you must do this because we say it's true. It's like, mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. literally, it just doesn't work. <laughs> like, right. and, and I think maybe if you, like, sort of hacking to like brains and DNA and stuff. You, mm. They know that really. Mm. They know it's a lost cause. Uh, mm. and, and, and actually what you said about the Four Horsemen, the film mm. basically admits that. It, it, it sort of does. Um, there's, yeah. there's, a, there's a scene where it kind of, there's weird flashbacky weird things going on. And they go, oh, this one represents the spirit. This one represents the thing, the thing, the thing. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Know all yeah. that. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, that, I, I just, 
I I hear you on all this. I think like my one the one thing this this idea that the film is about uh, different truths for different people. One one of the moments in the film that really kind of cemented this for me was that one of one of your tied up people. So you got it's um it's my two dads and their daughter Wen, both tied to chairs. One of them is convinced that they were the victim of um, an assault by Rupert Grint in the past, unconnected to yeah. any of the events in this film. Yeah. Um, they happened to be in a bar. Rupert Grint was there and and bottled them, glassed them, punched yeah. them or something. Um, you then see this again played out in flashback. But you don't see whether or not it's Rupert Grint, um, and that, that kind of like I don't know. It left left me dwelling in this place of it's it's people in there. It's it's kind of like Rashomon, if you like, yeah. which I'm going to come back to again. Rashomon for the 21st century for the apocalypse with um, Dave Bautista amazingly stealing all the scenes because like I I will go to my grave saying that that man cannot act, but he's he's pretty good in this. Yeah, I mean it it. it... I completely agree. Uh, he was a massive, massive surprise. I, I think it's actually the first time I've ever seen him in something because uh, I don't watch American movies. But uh, yeah, it, it was, it was. Yeah, it's an okay. I, I, I'm just not in the bit. I'm not in the business. Never will be in the business of like mm. passionately recommending okay films. Fair um, I, I prefer recommending bad ones that at least have a discussion point in it. Yeah. This is so middly diddly. Like, I mean, hey, compared to old, this is an this is an absolute it's, masterpiece. It's a banger compared to old. And you know, like I saw Split recently as well. And Split also an okay film. Yeah, oh, yeah. It, for me, it was yeah, just about okay. Yeah. Um, it, again, sold short on various things. Really, Split. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I, I had a chat with a, a friend recently about M Night Shyamalan, and he was saying that. The, my my problem with Shyamalan is that I don't understand that Shyamalan is making trash and he knows it. Um, <laughs> I went in to knock at the cabin, just sitting back, going, "Okay, this is going to be trash. Don't you know? Don't don't try to look for anything else." And I, I was very pleased. So I'd like to say thank you to Stephen if he's out there listening. Um, he I made mean, it, it, much- I'll give him credit for. I mean, I'll give him credit for a. He has made good stuff in the past but i'll give him credit for the fact that he does keep a lid on the budget for his films yes knowing that he will always with his bare minimum hardcore audience going way back to the 90s he will always make a profit on them alone yeah and then the rest of it is kind of advertising like i think again knock the cabin made a profit and quite a healthy profit of like times three or something so Job done. Job done yeah. for him. He doesn't give a flying fuck, really. Exactly. He's, done, he's and, done his bit. So, And whether people like it or not, M. Night Shyamalan is another filmmaker like Christopher Nolan, who's out there making his own films, which are not sequels, they're not prequels, they're not or, part yeah. of the franchise or yeah. anything. And he's, you know, and he's making it work. Apart from, apart from, uh, apart from, yeah, Glass just becoming part of a sequel to Unbreakable, which was a massive, massive shame. It's unnecessary yeah. as well, really. Just his own world, his own than... little world, rather than yeah, yeah. But uh, right, so there we go. Let, let's move on to something else. I think, uh, Ben, what have we got from your first pick this month? We've got Birth Rebirth. Rebirth. Uh, IMDb describes this film as a morgue technician successfully reanimates the body of a little girl, but to keep her breathing, she will need to harvest biological material from pregnant women. Um, in short, Birth Rebirth is Frankenstein. That's a, a, just a really easy way of explaining this. It's Frankenstein, but we've got two women instead of a doctor. It's the first feature film from writer-director Laura Moss, who is a production designer, or, and I will come back to that. Mm-hmm. And it's the story of Rose, who is uh, your Frankenstein doctor, crazy, crazy Rose, who... Um, comes into contact with the recently deceased child of Celia. Um, And she, without Celia knowing, she steals the corpse, takes it home and brings it back to life. And hilarity ensues. Um, Birth Rebirth is a film which is 100% saved by the central performance from Marin Ireland, who plays Rose, because um, she's the crazy doctor. She's uptight. Um, she's on a mission. She's dedicated. She doesn't really understand social norms or any of that kind of stuff. And I loved Marin Ireland um, so much so that Birth Rebirth is my Halloween film of the month. Oh my fucking god! <laughs> Which 
I want to follow by talking about the negatives behind Birth Rebirth. So uh, it's a very muted film. It doesn't have a lot of color. It doesn't have a lot of movement to it. It doesn't have a lot of locations. Um, it's a film made by a production designer. And I think to keep the budget on track, they have used a very, very small number of different places and dressed them accordingly. It's all done in a very kind of pared down lo-fi style, which I'm surprised by for a production designer. I would have expected Laura to throw a little bit more color and uh, decoration in there, but she doesn't. And I guess that's the plan because um, Birth Rebirth is a film. It's it's a, a film about performances. It's two women, uh, one of whom is crazy and the other one who becomes crazy as the film goes on. So although it starts off and you've got... Marin Ireland playing the crazy doctor and you've got Judy Rays from TV Scrubs playing Celia. Um, you think Celia is the, the voice of reason in this and Rose is just demented. But as the film goes on, that starts to swip, swap around a little bit. You've also got a little mother game being played out between Rose and Celia as well, where Celia is the birth mother, but the reanimated corpse child starts to kind of warm to Rose. Um, I really enjoyed this film all the way along, every step of the way. There are other films where I enjoyed parts of them much, much more than Birth Rebirth, but then other parts, not so much. So I had to sit down and think, well, which film did I really enjoy start to finish all the way through nonstop? It's Birth Rebirth, almost entirely down to Marin Ireland with her steely-eyed, intense performance. Theo, I don't think you like this film. It's a fucking B-movie. I don't think you like this film. It's a B-movie, yeah, it's a B-movie and proud, I think. No? Oh, I, well, I'm proud to hate B-movies. Like, <laughs> as, soon, as soon as I saw Shudder on the front credits, I was like, oh, Christ, here we go. But oh. I, I had to accept that. I had to accept it. No surprises will be forthcoming. But that being said, this film is so incredibly freaking monotone, Ben. Yeah. One-paced, yeah. one-faced, one-paced, dull as dishwater. Like... Sorry, problematic performances for me. Go on, go but on. But worst go of on. all is the writing, actually. Forget the performances. We'll talk about the writing. Okay. Don't you walk away from me, you mad scientist princess bitch. Is that an actual line of dialogue? That is a film? line from this film. I, I, I can't handle it. I mean, I, I got through to the end, like I did yeah. all, with all four this week, but I, I did doze off on one of the other ones a little bit. Come on to that later. But mm-hmm. uh, a truly bizarre and messy last 30 minutes, Ben, I'd say. It was just a little bit... That's when it actually started to show a bit of different pace and a bit of a different face. But because you were so used to the monotone uh, throughout the previous hour and, like, 10 or something, it just sticks out and jarred at me. I was like, hang on, why couldn't it have been a bit more like this all the way through? Then I'd have loved it a lot more. Um, I cannot believe how po-faced this film was. Like... For, Very serious. For, for what essentially is a B a B Frankenstein movie. Yep. Um. That the, there is not a single wink at camera. There is not a single joke. Like everything's incredibly oh. serious. And I'm like, hang on, this is fucking shudder. It's it's yeah, it's serious. But um, I I went into this because I watched the trailers for all these films before watching them. And I've just got a little side note. All of the trailers for these films are terrible and don't really explain the mood of the film. The trailer for Birth Rebirth makes it look like a really grim, unpleasant, um, a downbeat, depressing experience. Actually watching the film, I didn't get that vibe at all. I would agree completely with the trailer. It's, uh, <laughs> it's because of how one-paced and one-faced it is. It's just yeah. like, I, I, I don't need this. I don't want this. This is like, where's where's the energy? Where's the kind of... Uh, oh god, that, line, that as soon as I heard that line that I've already said, I was like, nah, this this some people will get almighty chortles from that. That line's, me, that line's awful. But awful. for me, it's just like I mean, look, again, B movie, shudder. You've gone to shudder, the app, the TV thing, whatever. You'll yeah. see like uh Evil Furniture 3, Revenge of the Chesterfield. Like you'll see all <laughs> that, and it's like, but that's fine. It ain't my thing mm. either, but it's a sense of humor there. There's like a wink. It's like, well no, we we know we're not. We're not trying to re- reinvent the wheel here. We're just mm. here to have a good time. Birth Rebirth is such a serious, serious film. Very. very. And, yeah, and yeah. essentially, but you're being serious doing what? Because you're just literally just doing a, an even more po-faced and even more monotonous version of something that 
has already been done. Well, how old's Frankenstein now, by the way? 150 years. It's, uh, so it's like so. If you're going to redo it after all this time, or yeah. or, or whatever, not redo it because it's not it's not it's not you know letter for letter the same as Frankenstein. It's just no, it, it's, it's the theme that's similar. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Just brought into a modern hospital and stuff, but it, I just don't know what the. I don't know why she did it. I I think there was a problem with the shooting schedule because the the way the birth rebirth is shot is is pretty by the numbers. Um, it's mainly just kind of two shots, singles of people saying all their dialogue. There's not much kind of creativity in the film. There's one scene where Marin Ireland passes out, and she wakes up, and for a second she's taken with the the kind of dust floating in the light. And that's the only time in the entire movie that the movie kind of takes takes time to kind of like feel, feel the wind in the trees a little bit. Everything else is really, really functional. Um, so I, I would imagine this had a very tight shooting schedule. They didn't get much opportunity to be creative, which I think is a shame because um, I think they could have they could have made this a lot better. But for, for me, like it's just Mar in Ireland. I really loved her. I thought she was amazing. I want to see. A lot more movies with her um yeah and on the um the shudder element i was talking this week about you know you know this kind of ongoing thing about the death of cinema about how yeah. films are becoming these bloated expensive theme yeah. park amusement rides um i yes it's true but it's not true in mid to low range horror films the they're kind of like doing a booming trade you can make something like birth rebirth for <clears throat> I don't know how much. Um and and it three hundred and sixty seven dollars. Three hundred and sixty seven no, sure. And most and most of that is on the pig. Oh oh yeah, the pig. We didn't even mention the pig. She's um she's a delight. I yeah, I I I hear everything you're saying. Um but I really, really didn't hate this film at all. And I I was I was like I was uh, I was entertained all the way through. Really enjoyed it. So, I, I, you know. no, I, I didn't hate it. it. It's just it was just so one paced. Um, it's, it's, it's monochromatic, yeah. and it really shouldn't be. Um, if you're a production designer making your debut film, and you, I don't know, you want to make it, you want to make a splash, an impact. I would have made it look a little bit more interesting. It so, like, a, legitimately, and I'm not exaggerating, ninety six percent of this film is some sort of beige. Yeah, or brown. Or yeah. brown, yeah. So like Marin Ireland drives a yellow car. So if you're gonna make it if you're gonna make everything kind of like muted, beige, brown, perhaps you're doing it to make other things pop a little bit, so like Marin Ireland's yellow car, maybe. Amazingly, that car doesn't pop whatsoever in this film. I don't know how they did it. Um yeah, I I I don't know. I don't know if it's the actual production design or the colour grading or the or the what's it, but it's a very flat blank experience and i feel like it possibly shouldn't be but you know what do i know i know that my <laughs> next two films on this podcast gave me the energy that i needed Ooh. starting off with Viscera the bones woman it's a mexican horror film so we've got to, we've got to do a little bit of wilson and we always try to even yeah. on our our uh, buffer the vampire slam musical episode it's a film directed by a debutante yes first time feature filmmaker Michelle Garza Cavera. Woo, I see you, Michelle Garza Cavera, with your film of the month horror film about a woman named Valeria whose joy at becoming a first-time mother is quickly taken away when she's cursed by a sinister entity. As danger closes in, she's forced deeper into a chilling world of dark magic that threatens to consume her bit. Hallelujah for her, Sarah, basically. Because this film has saved the Halloween special for me, not just now, but also going forward. This is my favourite horror film on the podcast since Pee-Hoo, and that was approximately 37 years ago. Um, so, you know, it's thoroughly recommended from me. It's extremely technically impressive. Yes. There is so much swanky camera work that I'm sure you'll be able to actually explain how some of it was done. I haven't got a clue. Like There's, there's, there's some old horror tropes given a new lick of paint, Mm-hmm. There's also some new tropes altogether that I've never mm-hmm. quite seen before. Um, like, for example, looking through the spy hole on your front door in a horror film always results in boo, yeah. but not here. Not here. 
Frankenstein. Uh, and that's just one example of many, many things this film does just slightly differently that you've seen before to make to make you remind it you're not watching a social commentary, you're watching a horror film. Uh, but it does it in a slightly different and more interesting and visually stimulating way. So uh, Valeria, played by Natalia Solian, is pretty much perfect for me. She's the performance of the month for me. Uh, so you had the pre- somebody from the previous film. For me, it's the uh, character of Valeria in this film. She carries the anguish and the guilt of being not only, quote-unquote, a bad mother, but a mother carrying more than the weight of a baby, Ben. Mm. She's got some issues. Yeah. And the film ekes those out, mostly after the halfway point, a little bit by bit. Um, and it's kind of, it doesn't feel shoe, shoehorned into me. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, there's the entity thing, uh, but there's also other stuff, which I won't spoil because I'm passionately recommending this film. Uh, and I like how the film goes about both of those things, but more so the emotional weight that she's carrying, not the actual physical weight. Yeah, uh, Lots of good stuff that fit really nicely into the main story. Um, the performance is always guided by a director, in my view, in nearly all cases. So I'm going back to the wonderful Michelle Garza-Cavera because she really does toe the line in this film between creepiness, sheer horror, mm. mixed with lots of moments of calm, mm. lots of moments of surprise that pretty much fit all amongst each other pretty much perfectly for me. Like, yeah. never the film is too scary, never the film is too calm, never the film has not enough surprise or too much surprise. Like, the balance is just all the way through this film. There's little bits, there's different locations that happen, whilst it still feel, feels part of the same world. Like, I can't fault any of the technical aspects of this film. No. The writing, the performances, how it, the screenplay, every, the camera work is extraordinary. Yep. Maybe you're going to bring the lighting into it. I'll leave that to you. But <laughs> technically, the film is astonishing. So, for example, and again, talk about the surprise thing. Like sometimes you'll have Valeria walk into a room knowing mm-hmm. full well that she's under the influence of whatever this entity is. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're just sort of thinking, right, now the last time I saw her do this, she didn't do anything. Is she going to do something now because she looks quite menacing? Or is it going to be another scene of nothing? Like, and the film's like that all the way through. Like, I was on the absolute edge of my seat. And to be honest, the only thing I ever want from a horror film, ever, is to be on the edge of my seat. Like, mm. I'll put up with certain things not being how I like it, certain things not being desirable. And maybe I don't like the particular direction. Maybe I don't like the style of it. Maybe I don't like the visuals. Maybe the performances are whack. But if any horror film has me on the edge of my seat, just, just call it film of the month already. Mm. And out of the next two... Yeah. The only two that really did it. And this one is leagues, leagues above the next one we're going to talk about yes. for me. Um, so plenty more to say, Ben, but I'll just finish for now by saying <clears> that this <throat> film would make an absolute perfect... If I was a film lecturer, I'd mm. make people watch this film, have a break, come back into class, and then watch the Banner book. Yes. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. there you've got the Bones Woman, which is sort of emotional pregnancy trauma preconception and yes. during conception and then you've got the banner book that takes care of like the postnatal side of things yes so basically that would be a f- tremendous say two and a half slash three hours just like this film was a terrific one hour 40 something i think it was, mm-hmm. yeah, it was um, if you liked by the book i'm hundred thousand million percent recommending with sarah the bones woman if you haven't seen by the book yet then you need to go see this one first uh, and then go watch by the book afterwards uh, because Ben, for me, this is an absolute quality production in every yes. single facet. Yes, the, 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 this it's kind of upsetting that the other three films don't look like this film because this looks better than most films. Yeah. I think, um, let alone most horror films. For a debutant. For a debutant, and it just kind of highlights like the the why don't other people do this? Why why don't other people make their films look like this? Because this this looks so fresh and. Oh, it's just, yeah, really, really, really great. I agree with you. Natalia Solian is pitch perfect throughout the entire film. It's an incredible performance. And th- this is one of those films where you're just with Valeria for the entire film. So she needs to be on it. And what she's doing, she's a, she's a, a young woman who she's a professional. She's a like a carpenter, furniture maker who is going to have her first child with her donut of her husband. <laughs> is his name Raul or something? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Valeria had a kind of off the beaten track youth. She was she was a little bit wild. Um, there are uh, little echoes of that still going on inside her. She's still kind of got this rebellious side to her. So perhaps she is not ready for motherhood. Maybe not. Um, and then this kind of complete domestic situation gets a little boost of the the occult, like Mexican occult. With the, so she's kind of like inhabited by this spirit, Huesera or something. Um, and that that is causing her to see visions and generally not have a great time. It starts off with a little spider, doesn't it? When she's making uh, starts off with a spider, with, but maybe there was a spider. Maybe there was. Yeah, and that's, um, but that spider does come back later on, and yeah. uh, by then she's in a worse place. Yeah. So um, yeah. On top of all of this, there's the fact that her family, her her very very large family, yes. have absolutely no faith in her being able to have a child whatsoever. She's she's just a figure of fun. She's mocked. She's criticized. You're not going to fall down the stairs, are you? Exactly. She dropped a baby when she was a teenager. Yeah. So she gets no sympathy from anyone in her family apart from her childless aunt, who is in league with the crazy occult witch gang. Um, it, this is just a really, 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 really good film for me for one hour, seven minutes. Um, and then the last 30 minutes, no spoilers. I wasn't quite able to tie those in to the incredible filmmaking and tension of the pre- the previous one hour, seven minutes. So when it came down to it, I had to sit there and say, what did I enjoy from start to finish all the way through? No bumps. It was birth rebirth. But the first one hour, seven minutes of Quesera, the Bone Woman, are a much better film than Birth Rebirth. And in fact, a much better film than any of the films we're talking about today. So for me, the ending didn't work simply because it didn't really tie into all the all the stuff that had gone before, all the stuff about Valeria, her past, her family. It, it went down a kind of a different pathway and became a, a, a slightly different film. Um, I still enjoyed it but just not nearly as much as the first one hour, seven minutes. So that this is why it's not my film of the month, even though I will willingly acknowledge that a lot of this is better than most films. Um, yeah, I had a really good time. It's it's a really great mood piece. It, it reminded me of Rosemary's Baby more than... Oh, anything. absolutely. Very much so. Even yeah. with the cotton everything, yeah. Yeah, because you're, you're just not sure whether stuff is happening or isn't happening. So she's she's making some furniture early on, um, she sees a spider on the wall and the, the the buzzsaw goes out of control. She nearly gets injured, but doesn't. And then the spider is gone. And and that's kind of how the film plays things out forever. You're never really sure if stuff is or isn't happening. And I really love that stuff. That's 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 Ben 101 for horror. Oh, and Theo 101 as well. And what scene does that better than that really strange outdoor event that she went to? When she was on the way to see her aunt, the occult lady. Yes. And it was full yes. of really grotesque looking, and this is quite offensive because I'm sure there were really beautiful people inside, but <laughs> there were lots and lots of old Mexican women yes. drinking what yes. looked like, not a two-pint glass, about a five-pint glass yes. of beer with two hands, but yes. they were just like sipping it in a really menacing way. Yeah, yeah, well, there's there's even that child at the clinic when she goes in. For oh, there's a loads of stuff, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's that kid making a really messed up face um, at her, and it's not like that's not a special effect or anything. No, it's, no. It's but th- this film is just creepy um, all the way through. And Valeria, she's she's a an oddly very sympathetic character, even though she's again she's one of these characters we have on the podcast a lot who she doesn't say how she's feeling. So you have to read in the performance how you think she might be feeling. Um, and and Natalia Solian is astonishing at doing this. Um, it's all in the eyes. Also, Huesera the Bone Woman has the smoking moment of the month, um, which is two smoking moments of the month. Oh, or, I was wondering about this because there's an awful lot of puffing in this film. There is. Or let's come back to it. Let's go for three smoking moments of the month. <laughs> So Valeria had this troubled past. Raoul, her flabby donut of a husband, will not accept her smoking. So Valeria has two sneaky cigarettes in this film and they are mirrored. They're out the window. 
um, and they're, they're, they're subterfuge cigarettes. They're, she's keeping it away from her husband. One of them, we don't know that this is the case. Uh, the later on, we do know, and they're they're the same but different. And this kind of mirroring of Valeria's kind of downward spiral, so beautifully done, just in one early cigarette and then one later on. And of course, Valeria is the kind of woman who will have a cigarette even though she's pregnant. Yes, yes. and that that alone speaks volumes. The other smoking moment of the month I have to mention because I think this might be a specific reference to Rosemary's Baby. It's when Valeria is walking into her living room kitchen area. Her husband and his mother are in the room and they're talking about Valeria. And then as she gets to the door, all you see is the smoke from a cigarette and the hand of the mother. And then the voices go silent. This is a moment which is done in Rosemary's Baby, bang, when Rosemary is doing the dishes with yeah. a yeah. neighbor lady whose name I forget. She can hear her husband and the neighbor lady's husband talking in the other room. And she she tries to look round, but all she can see is cigarette smoke drifting out the doorway. When they shot that, Polanski asked for, so the, the DP set it up so that you could see the two people on their chairs through the door and Polanski then had the camera moved so that you couldn't see the people at all. You could just see the smoke drifting. And the DP was like, what are we doing? We can't see anything. All I can see is an open doorway. There's nothing there. It's just, this is madness. And Polanski was like, no, 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 you watch. At the film's premiere, when that moment came on, Polanski and the DP were at the back of the cinema and the entire audience craned their necks to the left to try and see round a doorway that they couldn't see round. And that was when the DP was like, oh, okay, I see what you're doing. Right, fine, yeah. One one for you. I think that was an actual reference to RB, the, possibly the best horror film ever made. So yeah, Huesera is a strong recommendation. I think anyone would like this film. I mean, really. for a debutant, this is ridiculous. And oh, just, yeah. I, just like, well, well, I mean, fucking hell, just bring on your next film as soon as possible. Yeah. Like, yeah, just, yeah. Just, just, just do it and, and, and probably stick to Mexico. Because it's mm. just got so much stuff that we just don't know about. Like we know about the Day of the Dead and stuff. Yeah, uh, but yeah, yeah. there's just there's just some underlying weirdness where it's yes. like, oh, put more of that in a film, please. And yeah. like, and, and there's there's a look about them. There's a vibe. Yeah, um, I re- really enjoyed. The, and, it, the, and, it, and it's not. And for crying out loud, there's lots of money in this film. Like that's cool. Yeah. Like, yes. I am sick of poverty horror films, as in the characters are poor and shit happens to them. Like, there's a bit of wealth in this movie for these people. There is, but I, I get the feeling that Valeria is uncomfortable with the idea of being middle class in any way. Although she makes furniture and she does it very well and she's living with her flabby donut, Raoul, I don't think she really enjoys this life. I think she wants to wear... Uh, rough t-shirts shave her head again um smoke cigarettes and ride around on a motorbike she doesn't she doesn't like this middle class bourgeois trap she's landed in well she's come the end of the film that decision has been made yeah and we shall say no more on that yeah. uh, prop of the month oh. uh, i i did think about the five pint glass because i just couldn't get my head around that like that's mm-hmm. if, they, if they keep sipping that five pint glass at that rate they'll literally be doing it until the next day yeah. in the dead what so, about the, the baby mobile Baby mobile's a thing uh, because mm. that the, the show uh, also the baby monitor in the hospital was a thing because there was a, yeah. oh, there was a really creepy scene in there. But no, yes. I have to say I have gone for something quite straightforward, and that is the refrigerator because uh, that because that's uh, when the that's when the that's when she sort of uh, Valeria gets a grip. Uh, that was a, that was a real. I, I had to cover my mouth for that scene. Yeah, you don't quite. You don't quite expect the scene to happen in that way so when it does you're like holy crap the refrigerator yeah i was i was sitting here going it's the fridge isn't it it's the fridge isn't it it's the fridge and uh yeah so we'll say no more on that but yeah all good stuff yeah uh really and there's some good stuff to finish off with to be honest ben so uh, tell us about bodies 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 bodies, bodies. <laughs> or if it was released in the uk murder in the dark um, <laughs> smoking in the dark <laughs> yeah. when a group of rich 20-somethings plan a hurricane party at a remote family mansion a party game turns deadly in this fresh and funny look at backstabbing fake friends and one party gone very very wrong um it, it's not, not a debut film i i don't think i think the director helena rain has made films before but it, but she hasn't made very many and it's certainly her first big splash film I want to start talking about Bodies, Bodies, Bodies by talking about the film Stop Zemlia, 
which we reviewed Indeed. on made Film of the Month a long, long time ago. And one of the insights that we had about Stop Semlia is about how it's a kind of film about generational togetherness, how the, the young people and the old people are all going through the same experiences, just happen to be different times. Film and of the year, Stop Semlia, by the way. Film yeah, of the year. Film of the year. And how it's a film that really kind of goes against the tide of pitting one generation against another, which you see, you see it in the in the media, you see it on the news, you see it on TV, young people v old people, generations v generations. And that is not what Bodies, Bodies, Bodies is about. Um, so let's start off by talking about three distinct generations. We've got Generation X, who are people born between 1965 and 1980, of which the director, Helena Rain, is one of them. I am a member of Generation X as well. And then we've got the millennials who are born between 1981 and 1995, 1996, I believe. And that it would be yourself, Theo. Correct. A proud millennial. And then we've got Generation Z, which is everyone born from, I think, 1996 to 2010, which is supposed to be the majority of the cast yeah. of the film Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Although there are a few millennials in there as well so what you've got essentially here is a film made by a generation x person about generation z people and it's less i would say less a horror film more a really really biting satire on how awful generation z people can be um i watched this with my son and his partner and they found it very difficult to watch because they thought it was exactly like a lot of people they know. There was also one point where they had a conversation that devolved into them both checking their phones to see if somebody they'd met had actually followed them and then unfollowed them on social media or maybe had never followed them in the, in the first case. So I was watching them both lit up by the light of their phones on the screen, three characters lit up by the light yeah. of their phones. Yeah. And I was sitting there thinking, oh, you're, you're all doomed, guys. You're all doomed. Get, get off these phones. So Bodies, Bodies, Bodies takes, it's a big party, um, a hurricane party at this big old house. It's about young people, but perhaps it's also a little bit about privilege because most of these characters are super duper rich. They're all at this party. They're all having a great time. They're all the worst people you've ever met in your life, with the exception of one guy. Uh, is his name Greg? Greg, who is uh, the Generation X temporary boyfriend of one of these young oh, people. Oh, he was fucking weird, though. He's <laughs> weird. He's also he's the only character that you really sympathize with. Oh, I don't know. When he, I mean, as much as I want to hit Pete Davidson in the face, Ben, yeah. Uh, believe me, he's got a face that needs slapping. Uh, oh, when, when he went up to Pete Davidson threatening to uh, give him a little bit of a once-over, yeah. I thought, you're a bit of a bastard yourself, mate, actually. Yes. Well, th I think <laughs> I think initially you think Greg is just, he's just weird. Like, why yeah. is he hanging out with all these young people? And then as the film goes on, there's there's like a key scene with Greg in a key location, which was, to be honest, my favourite scene in the film, where my whole opinion on Greg did a complete 180 and he ended up being the hero of the film for me. But um, so they're all at this party. They all decide to play a game of bodies, 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 which is what we in the UK call murder in the dark. Everything gets a bit out of hand. Everyone starts kind of backbiting and, and getting angry with each other. And then the worst possible thing happens. The, the, the electricity goes out, the router goes down. There is no more signal. There is no more, coverage there is no more internet in the house and that's when everything turns really 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 nasty um bodies 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 is a is a fun it's a very colorful film it's got a lot of kind of lighting um initiative it's it's another one of these films which i i think is heavily influenced by director of photographer benoit debbie who kind of carved out uh, a name for himself using neon lights to light things and now everyone is doing the benoit debbie thing bodies 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 is also doing that um, it's fun, uh, it's vibrant, it's young, it's full of life. It's also about the worst people in the world. And uh, you, you kind of have to be ready for how awful these people are. And it's also a film made by someone who is like approximately two months younger than me, um, being made about, about 
people the age of my children, which is a weird thing to think about. Um, but it, yeah, it, it's far more a satire. I had fun. I enjoyed the film. Um, I'm not going to reveal the spoiler, but something happens in, should we say the last four minutes? The yeah. last the last three minutes? Yeah. Which caused me to do a complete 180. It brought back all the memories of Nymphomaniac. Um, Nymphomaniac was a film that I was hesitant to watch because I thought I'm not going to like this. I watched the first one. I was completely wrong. I loved it. I watched the second one. I was like, I, this is so much more fun than I thought it was going to be. And then Nymph- Nymphomaniac has 120 seconds at the end, which then made me go back and kind of unpick all of my love for the film. And there's a there's a thing at the end of Bodies, 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 which which caused me to do that. Yeah. I've read an interview with Helena Rain where she mentions that when she was originally involved with the script, it did not have that final moment and she was completely uninterested in it. Then that bit was added and she became very interested in it because it became a film about people and relationships more than anything else. I see her point, but the experience for me was really undone by that that final thing. Um, I think we can't talk about it. No, because, we can't. We can't. No. Um, but it, but it's it, but it's going to be ever present in our conversations about this. So bodies, bodies, bodies. A lot of fun. A lot of color. A lot of interesting, fun satire. Loved Greg. Really, really don't like the final one hundred and twenty seconds. But hey, there you go. The she blows. Yeah, this is actually my. Second favourite film this week. Uh, So here's the thing. So the opening credits tell me a lot about everything. And the opening five minutes of any film tells me a reasonable amount of anything. So with Birth Rebirth, saw Shudder, I thought, oh, fucking hell, here we go. Please, (laughs) please, please. It didn't. Here, I knew it was going to be a Gen Z wank fest. Mm -hmm. Very, very early on. So I thought, okay, next. What else you got? And it did take a while. But yeah. this is my one hour and seven of the thing that you did for Who Is Sarah. Like, yeah, yeah. I love the first one hour, seven minutes of Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Like, yeah. I was really into it. Like, yeah. I was just, I thought, this is, this is just different. Like, I've seen this a hundred times, little bit of scary movie, little bit of this, little bit of that. I thought, yeah, I've seen all these dickhead people being dickheads mm. and stuff. But. I knew this film wouldn't let me down because unlike the now cancelled Midnight Club, which didn't do it, this film killed all the annoying people. And I I thought that is just what I couldn't have asked for anything else. And it was almost in pitch perfect order Mm. because Pete Davidson goes first. Get him out of my face. Mm. Like get him dead and he's Mm. gone. Then uh, unfortunately it's Greg. Oh, Greg, uh, the star of the movie, and that was that was a fantastic scene of him of him just lying yeah. there with that weird sort of uh, the, that mask. room. Yeah, the, the 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 props, the room is it's the best location set for the entire movie. And like, if you're making a horror film, you want to save your crazy, crazy, crazy room for the end. Um, but you get your crazy room smack bang in the middle of the film with Greg yeah. hanging out with a mask on, and uh, it had to be him just looking, uh, just everything about it, the dimensions of him. The way he was lying, like the what he was wearing, like everything was just yeah. so. Yeah, the first hour was just absolutely magic for me. Um, and it, you know, I won't spoil the rest of the order because pe- plenty of people go. Because uh, I, I think I'm going to recommend this, which I can't believe I'm going to say, but I am. I um, so it's uh, yeah, basically, I like the way that, as we've said, the film was pretty much done exclusively with foam torchlight, mm-hmm. um, and that's the yeah. hell of a thing. Like, it, I mean, because of course. Gen Z, Gen Gen Z wouldn't have a torch. No, they don't ca- No one carries torches if you if you're born after 1996s because they're like for old people. But well, let torch, alone a head torch that you well, strap onto your head, which one of them has but never uses. Which I think, which is, is interesting because she uses a phone one as well. So that that's also a statement. But yeah, lots of annoying people die, which is great, and it was all they were all done in an enjoyable way, which is great. Uh, lots of panicking, which is great. Lots of shock discoveries and all the usual tropes. It was great. Um, reasonable amount of tension that was great, but yeah, it's the pro- it's after the hour really that things just turn a little bit down for me. Um, mm-hmm. and it's specifically the scenes where it then became for for Gen Z Wankstains trying to intellectually outdo each other with insults, discussing yeah. their place in society, assuring them that I am an ally, 
or I'm this, or I'm that, and aren't you this? Stop being melodramatic whilst at the same time being melodramatic. Like, the talking bit killed all of the amped, ramped tension that was there, and the film didn't quite ever recover for me from that moment. No, for um, sure. And I, I mean, it, yep, satirical, 100%. But I wasn't 100% certain, Ben, whether it was a critical satire mm-hmm. or... It was a, it was like a humour done for laughs satire. Now I think a little bit of both. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I assume because they put Pete Davidson in there, who again, I'm moving <laughs> um, that he was there because he's a comedian, and yeah. that symbols to me that you want this, you want people to laugh at this. Yes, but I found all those scenes with the talking and everything quite jarring. They weren't funny. Um, maybe. Because I'm, as you say, I'm millennial. I'm not Gen X. Did Gen mm-hmm. X find that stuff funny? Hearing about hearing them talking about being allies no. and about no. them. so. Well, there we go. So I, this is this, I was just torn between: are you trying to be funny? Are you trying to be satirical, or both? Mm. Um, neither of which really worked all that well for me. Because then, after that, you went straight to more high tension, high amp stuff. Yes. With uh, what we think is a Ukrainian or a Russian girl. I think she's Bulgarian. Oh, Bulgarian. Um, she's running around outside for various different reasons, like mm. dodging, dodging rain and, and stuff, and trying to hide and this kind of and, and this kind of thing. So it's sort of that bit. The film onwards I never quite got over. I did doze off. I have to admit, oh, I did doze yeah. off. Yeah. Uh, and I woke up and there was two people left, and I was like, right, okay, what else have we got? <laughs> then I run into the problem that you ran into. Yeah. So I don't think I missed much in the in the. So I woke up and it was sunny and there was two people. Okay. Um, and it was like, right, okay, so we're near the end now, obviously. Uh, I hated the ending, though. I, I, yeah. I just thought, no, 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 no. Uh-uh. Yeah. yeah, there was a real Nymphomaniac Part 2 moment for me. Um, yeah, but I, I also didn't like that that wide expanse of talking. I think like that's what Helena Rain became interested in. She became interested in the character assassination side of it more than the kind of horror slasher movie side of it. Um, so that that is her big pull for the film, but it doesn't change the fact that you're filming five, six people standing in a circle yelling at each other for a, for about thirty minutes. And it, how do you how do you make that interesting? Maybe it's interesting for some people, but for for me it wasn't. No, no, no. And as, yeah. and, and as I say, your your own Gen Z people were sort of like flicking around on phones anyway. Yeah, they were, like, it was so distracted. Um, I can't believe it. Yeah. So, I, so, I, so what, what is the mission here? Is it? Could it, could it mm. be actually an extremely self-centered piece where she's literally going, "This is what I think of you, lot," and that's it. Uh, I'll, I mean, give, I'll I, give you Davison. I'll give you Davison for you, but the rest of it's for me. I think a little bit, but I think there's some genuine on-the-nose stuff here about the way young people, um, gensa people, operate with each other. There was I, I don't know if I've mentioned this story in a podcast before, but there was a time when I was at work and a really, really nice young person came to speak to me and she said, Dan, um, so-and-so told me to tell you X, Y, Z is happening. So-and-so, can you do ABC? And I was like, yep. Sure thing, no problem. By the way, my name's Ben. And then she went, yeah, I'm pretty sure they said it was Dan. And uh, I, I thought this response was amazing because I wasn't trying to catch her out or anything. I was just saying, hey, it's, it, my name's Ben. A lot of people call me Dan because a lot of people don't really listen carefully. It's, it's absolutely fine. Yeah. You know, there we go. But for her, it was very important, it seemed, not to appear wrong. This is someone else's mistake. And in fact, I don't think it's a mistake at all. And that comes back in Bodies, Bodies, Bodies with, you shot me. No, I didn't. Um, I, th- I think it's there is some very on-the-nose you stuff. Did, you didn't love each other. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot I mean, of it, actually. It's like, the, the, surely the only person equipped to answer that question is the one who's just lost Greg. But yeah. it was like, no, no, you weren't real. He thought yeah. you... No, honestly, it's just like... There's, oh. there's, there's a lot of people kind of making their own truth about yeah. things, um, which I think is a young people thing, kind of kind of interesting. And then, and then watching two Gen Z people in the room with me spiral into this world. <laughs> Spiring into the phones. <laughs> while we were watching a film about young people spiraling into their own truth and spending all of their time on their phones, I thought was, I don't know, I'm, I'm increasingly becoming um, 
less and less fond of smartphones and what they do to people and and where everyone seems to be at these days did, um, did bbb do well has it has it has it done well critically I, has it done well think, monetarily or i think it did i think it did very well um i don't know but it's got it was released by a24 everybody loves everything a24 well, that, well that's what, what that's that, that's what like with shudder i thought when i saw a24 I was like oh okay this might not be a half cooked bag of shit then and it wasn't See, so See, I'm I'm of the opposite. I'm 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 cautious and doubtful about A24. I I don't believe that they are. They oh, are... they're not gods or anything. But it's like, well, yeah, 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 okay. I could sort of like it's like Blumhouse. It's like, yeah, you face some shit too. But it's like, you know, you've yeah, got, yeah. generally speaking, it, it's almost a seal of half quality. So I, I I get quite excited when I see the Shudder logo. That's mm. that's that's where maybe this is a Gen X thing. I think so. I think so. <laughs> but 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 then we we both like the same. Should we say older films? Yes. Like a lot a yes. lot of the shudder things kind of riffing off anyway. So it's like hundred percent. I I think people are really missing the trick with what with what made those horror films so great. The reason that everybody loves loves everybody loves Texas Chainsaw Massacre is not because of like what it's about or the law or the the family and stuff. It's the fact that a, a, a crazy dedicated bunch of people had a 16 millimeter camera and a, a, a tiny amount of money and a, a fistful of enthusiasm and went out there and made something kind of sweaty and real and on edge and you can throw as much money and you can throw all the advertising directors you want at the TCM. And you franchise. can put Pete Davison in there. You can put Pete Davison <laughs> in there, but like but <laughs> films that have a huge amount of money poured into them just aren't very scary because they're just movies. They're just shiny, polished, fake uh, movies, which are supposed to, they, they're kind of worried about audience capturing the audience at the right moments and they're worried about all the things that businesses are worried about toby hooper in 1974 in texas screaming at everyone um he that that's not what he was thinking about and if you want to make great horror films you don't throw a lot of money at them and you don't throw a bunch of famous people at them because that's not what makes great horror there you go that's my two cents indeed so uh, on Speaking about we'll... being polished and fake, we are neither of those things. No. Uh, but we will be back because that was the Halloween Horror Special. Ben, what else are you watching? Anything else you're going to be watching before we uh, meet again? Well, I've been watching The Fall of the House of Usher, the Netflix Mike Flanagan Halloween yeah. TV show, which is not, as I thought, about uh, an R&B fashion house. I say, I, when I saw that title, I thought, oh, God, have we got another nonce knocking around? What's Usher done? Yeah, no, 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 no. It's not a bit. It's not that. It's an Edgar Allan Poe reference. Yes, yeah, yeah. And if you've read any Edgar Allan Poe, like I have, you kind of know what's going to happen in every single episode. Also, um, you've got the problem: the fall of the House of Usher is about awful people. Um, yeah. pretty much, pretty much everyone in it is awful, which means you're spending hour after hour in the company of awful people. But it's Mike Flanagan. Yeah. I will do this. I will see it to the end. Um, other than that, I'm still not sold on what my Halloween night movie is going to be. It's up in the up in the air. Yeah, I, I, I might whack the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Blu-ray on. I think it's been about three or four years since I've had it on. It's it's time again. I think. Yes, I, um, I, I, we had a, an off off camera chat about this. Um, I watched the TCM Blu-ray recently just so good yeah um, so good it took me a while to get used to seeing it looking that good um i'm used to watching like a, a crappy vhs or a crappy dvd and having it look like that was a horse of a different color but yeah uh and then i think the following day i think i listened to all four or five commentaries and watched it again and it's, it's just a perfect film it really is pretty much uh so hey folks we're done. Happy Halloween, and we'll see you at the end of November for exciting times. Nordic Film Council nomination Scandinavian Film Special. Yes. 2023, our last regular episode of the year before we head to the awards season. Ben, we've got six yep. films we're going to be doing. Amazing. It's going Amazing. to be exciting. And as always, these aren't each country's best film of the year. No, this is no. the film that they think best represents Scandinavian cinema. Okay, so I that feel... is always the interesting way of looking at it because it's, it's yeah. for us. This is purely for them. 
Uh, it's not like some of these will maybe end up as being the Oscar nominations for 2024. Some of them yeah. won't be. We know that for sure because there's yeah. not always, it's not always automatic. So what does Denmark, Finland, Norway, Sweden, uh, Greenland and Iceland, what do they themselves love? It's like having each film is like having a one-on-one conversation with a Icelandic film director. A, because they want to make stuff for a very specific bunch of people, i.e. themselves, and their country and their people. These aren't meant to be seen internationally for the most part. So it's it's pound for pound my favourite episode of the year. Wasn't great last year. No, but but that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything, but there's always a road of caution just because we love it and we're excited for it. It doesn't always... We have no choice in this. We're at the mercy... Yep. The total, total mercy of this particular uh, award ceremony slash yep. uh, thingy. So we'll 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 see if, we'll see if that can't wait. But happy Halloween if you celebrate. Go watch some decent horror films, and for God's sake, watch at least two of these four films. Quest era.